1: And we are back with another episode of the Take Talk podcast. I am your host, Brett Whitefield. My usual co-host, Stephen O'Rourke, is here on vacation, live from vacation. And then we got a guest today joining us, Chris Weck, the usual guest. Um, guys, how was your Christmas?
0: It was good. It was yeah, great. Busy. Very busy, of course, with all the games going on. But, you know, it was good. Christmas is still a great day of the year regardless. And, uh Yeah.
1: So we're all established men of stature here but uh do you guys still get christmas gifts from your parents yes It's <laughs> cool i do not my my dad we're worth past that see i have four kids though so you have four kids i've burdened him quite a bit right. with other people to buy gifts for which is cool but my mother-in-law so my my uh my wife's mom they still get me gifts it, it's kind of crazy i got like i got a meter i got a couple cool utensils for the kitchen basically and then like a hundred bucks cash and i'm like what? she's like I, you used to buy something for yourself you wouldn't buy for yourself because she knows i won't so right like, okay cool a hundred bucks cash and some some kitchens so it's really nice though i can't believe i'm 36 years old and my in-laws are still buying me christmas gifts
0: yeah, that's very nice. And now you'll have one less in the bill. Whatever bill of your choosing won't cost as much. As, as much. She, she
1: made me <laughs> promise I wouldn't spend it on a bill. <laughs> so I think my wife got me money for like a tattoo. So I think I'm just going to throw the hundred bucks in the fund to get a new tattoo. in a while. And uh, I need to get I like think. my left arm finished. So
2: there you go. Yeah. I like that. Me. Yeah. we got We got a record player from my parents. Oh, nice. Which. Is a fun, like a modern is a fun one, one. I'm assuming. yeah 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 so it's cool it's fun but yeah we, we still do gifts but like same thing like we don't have any kids so yeah you know they still get gifts for us but i think that it's probably going to the wayside here quickly
1: yeah by the way guys like having four kids on christmas day um the level of damage that can be done to your house <laughs> is insane my, my wife and i have spent hours cleaning since christmas and it doesn't matter it's just there is stuff everywhere and then they get into new toys that haven't opened it is crazy <laughs> just the clutter and the mess that's going it's on the in way
0: the it's supposed to be though isn't it I it's know, like, that's I know. Like, it's the, like if it's not it's like well this is this doesn't feel right
1: i'm someone i don't deal with anxiety at all unless the house is like kind of messy like i get i get clutter anxiety and it's got to yeah, be pretty bad for me to feel it. But like I walked out of my bedroom this morning and was like, oh, my God, I just spent like three hours yesterday trying to clean this. What what is happening right now? So anyways, for, for those of you without kids yet listening, um, you have a lot to look forward to when your house gets absolutely nuked on Christmas Day. So.
2: Yeah, you got to right. you got to open every gift and play with every toy at least once. I mean, it's a necessity. It's true
1: well what's crazy is we do christmas eve with my wife's dad and he like spoiled the kids so they had a ton of toys and i was making a joke that we should like not give them our gifts on christmas day and just space them out you know like there's no way you can possibly enjoy everything you got in one day so why don't we just wait to unwrap these like a week or two goes by you get sick of the toys you just got and then we'll we'll bust them all out but my wife was not in favor of that idea so
0: (laughs) no no, you gotta like forget what you got, and then you're, you know, your kid. You go back under the tree, like, oh, I forgot I even unwrapped this. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> it's yep just, It's just like never ending.
1: Yep. Oh. All right. Well, let's get into some playoff slash review discussion. We are in the final hours of the NFL season, week 17 coming up, and this is a big one for a lot of teams. So far, guys, we still only have what five teams that have clinched playoff spots. No, we're at Uh, six now, two in the AFC and four in the NFC. So, uh, in the AFC, you got Ravens and the Dolphins, and the NFC, we got the 49ers, Eagles, Lions, Cowboys, which is funny because those have been the the four top teams kind of competing for that one seed the whole year. Yeah. Um, But it's still pretty open. There's still a lot of races to be won here. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Let's dive in. I don't know where we should start. You you just want to start with reviewing some games and then talking about playoff implications from there?
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, the, there was a pretty there was one really big game this past week that basically shifted, I think, the entire NFL landscape on its head.
1: You talking Baltimore 49ers? Yeah. 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 Let's talk about uh, Fraud Purdy and the 49ers, and <laughs> we'll just go from there. Uh, so so the, uh, the Baltimore Ravens travel to San Francisco on Christmas Day to take out the San Francisco 49ers of score 33-19. to This was a shellacking, too. The score wasn't even that close. No. Uh, I I should say the game wasn't even that close.
0: Actually, did did Sam Darnold put up more points than Purdy?
1: He Um, was even, I think. Right? Yeah, because I know he scored the one touchdown, and then They, they both got a touchdown. Uh... It was close. Purdy, Purdy, yeah. Purdy put up 10. Donald put up 7.
2: The fact we're put even 10. having the debate is concerning for Purdy.
1: <laughs> yeah, Purdy, Purdy uh, it, turnover regression smashed in the face like it did, I don't know, eight games ago or whatever. Um, he had four picks in this game, got sacked a couple times. Just the decision-making was not good. I know not every pick he threw was his fault, but he had three or four really throws in this game that were just of the bad variety. Uh, some were not
0: me. picked off. Even they could have
2: been worse. Right.
1: Right, Yeah. Some, some were not picked off for sure. Um, what were your guys' main takeaways from this game?
2: It was, it, I mean, it honestly kind of went the way that I thought. I mean, I thought that the Ravens defense was going to muck things up and make Purdy really drop back and read a defense. And it kind of had him in shambles. I mean, Oh, it just like you could see, that if his first read wasn't open he kind of got lost and it just that's where it just started going haywire for him i mean yeah it's, it's credit to the to the ravens defense as a whole and the guys that they have but yeah they made her they made pretty work for it and he didn't do anything with it
0: yeah, we talked about it last week. This was We were both pretty much in agreement that we thought the Ravens would be able to move the ball on the Niners, maybe not to the degree that they did uh, and how they did, um, but that we were both in agreement. The, the, we both said the game would be decided on would Purdy, what would the Ravens do, defense do to Purdy? And it basically, like Brett said, the regression just hit him really hard and things just went off the rails quickly. Purdy very much seems like a guy that – when things are going good, they like continue to get better. Like he's a he's a snowball QB. When thing like things trend in whatever direction that they're going and they just keep rolling that way.
1: Yeah, I was surprised. So the Ravens came out and they played a ton of two high coverages, like a ton. Um, some exotic looks in there too, some disguises. I thought it was interesting though, those safeties basically were squatting on all of that deep stuff the 49ers do all of those posts, the corners, the seams, the overs, like they had, they had safeties ready to go on all of that stuff and kind of just shut it down, which, you know, when you have the athletes to play against the 49ers athletes, I think it sounds simple, but it, it was easy to take them away. And and Purdy just kind of looked like he was in shambles, but man, those, some of those exotic coverage looks that the Ravens presented Purdy, it just really confused him. Um, I mean, just made him pause, hold the ball a little longer where how do you think this game affects his MVP status? I mean, is he officially off the ballot?
0: Oh yeah, the his odds were <laughs> his odds were dropping during the game, like just more and more really? and more. I think I think Lamar is now the clear favorite. Um and Purdy is now uh let's see. Yeah, he's he he's gotta be around like plus four hundred ish, would be my guess. And I yeah, I don't th- I don't see how he could possibly win now.
1: Um when you guys talked uh, MVP last week, wasn't Lamar my number one? He was, wasn't he? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So Lamar was my number one going into the week. Purdy was my number five, and now Purdy's definitely off the ballot. He is,
0: yeah, he's behind Tua in the market right now.
1: Good, he's and it, it should have been that way already, to be honest. But yeah. the thing about Purdy is when when that uh, turnover regression hits, he's cost him his team games. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. So when you have the debate of like what makes a a truly premium quarterback, it's like we've talked about a lot, but it's guys you can win because of. So when everything's not going right, do you have a quarterback that can lift your team up and win games? Purdy's never really been that guy to me, not even close. And in fact, he's gone the opposite way uh, two or three times this year where they've literally lost because of him Um, for no other reason than Purdy just couldn't get the job done or, or cost the team with turnovers. I think that's concerning to me. And, and and if you're a quarterback that's cost your team multiple games, I don't think you can be an MVP.
0: Yeah. there. I heard someone say this the other day, and I think it's really a really great take. The award needs to really change from most valuable player to most outstanding player of that season because we all get wrapped up in like, all right, well, you, you know, Mahomes would still be the first pick off of – if you reset all the teams of every course. single time. So – if you and I think that clouds a guy like Purdy, I could see him winning a Most Outstanding Player of the of the Year award because he could have a really good C statistical season in that offense and all the weapons he has. But it's if the award is Most Valuable Player, I don't see how he could ever win it, barring him continuing to really grow as a passer, which he's he's done, but yeah. has to happen a lot more for him to. Like you just see what Lamar, like Lamar is doing this year. I know the numbers aren't gaudy or super big, but you can tell this is one of the best Ravens offenses he's ever played in. They are. He's more methodical with how he's approaching. He always looks like he knows what what needs to happen on every play. Never looks frazzled. He. I mean, yeah, I think he's by far playing the best football of all the of all the QBs this year right now.
2: Yeah, and it's it's like going off the cliche, but like you can tell that in this offense with the new Monkin and then obviously they still have a little bit of the flavor of greg roman's offense in there like the game is slowing down it has like officially slowed down for lamar where he looks confident he's scrambling with a purpose it's not just it's not just like immediate like first reads gone pressure gone you, he's starting to get outside the pocket and look downfield and it's run at the last resort or run when he sees when he sees open space and that's where I think that he's become like that like the most valuable player is that that decision making of he's providing like positive plays almost no matter what he's doing you know like he for for a while there he'd get kind of lost in am I going to scramble I look downfield and that's where he used to have like fumble issues and he'd get into some of some interception issues and like that used to be when he was you know in the early years but now you can tell that he's it's all he has a plan with every snap. There's a game plan of where he's going to go and what he's going to do. And it's circling like with that most valuable player. I like, that's where you get into the muck of like, well, shouldn't we give Patrick Mahomes because of the chiefs off the chiefs team would be an absolute disaster on offense if they didn't have Mahomes. And it's like that whole debate of, well, if you take yeah. this player away. And I, I do agree that like, it, it should just be the most outstanding player that year. Cause the most, most valuable is such a, it's just such a different discussion than, and it's hard like,
1: to measure well. the best
2: performer of that year. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, so this, this was game was fun for me because, uh, EPA bros down bad, you know? So, um, I love that. I think we we should have a little discussion about the EPA stat that some of these, uh, analytics nerds, sorry, Chris, uh, throw out there. um, <laughs> But EPA expected points added is the stat. And, and Brock Purdy's been basically like doubling up everybody this year. And people keep wielding this stat as some type of individual player stat. And I hate it. 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 EPA is a team stat to me, it cannot be yielded as a, as a player stat. Anytime, you know, I hate the way it's phrased too. Like Brock Purdy leads the league in EPA per dropback. No, he does not. The San Francisco 49ers lead the league in EPA per dropback when Brock, Brock Purdy's at quarterback. It's a total team stat. Um, if Trent Williams doesn't block his ass off on that play, Brock Purdy's EPA can't go up. Like there, it's it's so frustrating. And then when you see uh, tweets like we got today with um, was it the the rushing EPA, Chris? This was funny. Yeah. Uh, uh, so Matt. So- Without naming names, one of the the community's big analytics guys is, is always making these EPA arguments. And in that argument, it was revealed that Matt Stafford has the second highest rushing EPA in the NFL. And Lamar Jackson's like down at like 10 or something. It just shows you how stupid it is because what EPA doesn't account for is basically how what you do affects the defense you're playing. So Lamar may be not super efficient running the ball this year, but it doesn't account for the fact that some of those wide open seam balls he hits to Mark Andrews and Zay Flowers and Isaiah Likely, they're there because Lamar can run the football. And there's just little there's basically all the nuance and X's and O's to to football can't be accounted for with an EPA stat. So um, I just think it's complete garbage.
0: Yeah, we just we've seen we've seen literally in this exact offense Jimmy Garoppolo being near the top of the list year after year, and nobody ever considered that Jimmy Garoppolo right. should be MVP. The NFL market doesn't think he's an MVP caliber QB. He's never signed a big deal anywhere. Um, but like, I know, yeah, I'm the anal- most analytics guy on this thing, but even I would agree that you you can't just take one thing and say that is the gospel it has to be blended with everything else there's constantly we have no problem doing it when you know De'Von A-Chain rips off you know uh, yards per carry of like 15 for <laughs> right. we have no problem saying yeah well, that's probably not sustainable um and probably not doesn't mean he's the greatest running back of the of the, in the NFL right now yeah but it seems like with EPA we the community as a whole has a hard time realizing that that is not just the players doing and not a team stat like you said yeah it would be different too if you had
1: um, maybe like an eight game sample of Sam Darnold and then an eight game of Brock Purdy and the EPA per drop back with Purdy was you know whatever 0. 0.39 and then Sam Darnold's like 0. 0.13 you could then say wow this is a measurable stat here where Brock Purdy's adding this much value to their pass game but we don't We don't really have that with with the MVP caliber discussion because if you're an MVP candidate, you've likely played all or most of the games. So it's just not – there's no way to, like, really dissect it on that level.
0: Sam Darnold did come in and throw a touchdown right away.
2: (laughs) He he did. He did do that. Um, It's almost like if you drop any quarterback into that offense. And if anything, anything for the 49ers, EPA for their offense is a Kyle Shanahan stat.
1: Oh, 100%.
2: Kyle Shanahan's the true EPA bro of that of that team because of, yeah. because of the players he's acquired and because of the situations that he puts them in, yeah, the way you he's wanna, able to if, isolate players.
0: If you want to give an award to the Niners, give Kyle Shanahan Coach of the Year. That makes way more sense than Brock Purdy for MVP. Agree.
1: Um, all right, so what does this mean? So the Ravens, you think the Ravens, to me, they're the cream of the crop in the AFC, right? Other than maybe a, a surging Buffalo here down the stretch. Is there a team that's really scary in the AFC other than the Ravens and the Bills?
0: Miami is interesting. I think their defense is really starting to come on recently. The problem is their O-line is just constantly in shambles that I think that is probably going to bite them at some point. Um, Tyreek is also, I don't think he's super banged up, but he's definitely a little limited. He's been a little quiet in recent weeks since he uh, got rolled up on and we know like Tyreek is also an MVP candidate and if, if he's not full go that's going to that's going to derail them at some point as well and Waddle can't seem to ever stay healthy so they're they're a little banged up right now at full strength i think Miami is definitely in contention there as well but right now yeah. i think the Ravens are in a tier of their own
1: yeah i think Miami's for sure good and in the playoffs anything can happen i just yeah i, I think the o-line stuff really concerns me but um Yeah, I think Baltimore's a a tier above them right now. I'd probably put Buffalo and Miami in the same bucket, though.
2: I think that's fair. Yeah, and they have—I mean, they have a big game to finish the season that arguably could, you know, could be a preview of what we're going to see in the playoffs. Because I mean, Buffalo took it to Miami already this season, and so it'll be interesting to see if Miami has something to play for, which they should probably like a home home field advantage um, in the first round. I think that that will it, be an interesting game to see where Miami's uh, defense is against the bills this time around and how Miami's offense, you know, is able to hit, hit their stride against uh, the Bills. So I think that's a big game coming down the stretch to see, like, like to kind of gauge where both those teams are at heading into the playoffs. But I, it, yeah. I think it is, the, it's the Ravens pretty much head and shoulders above, you know, everyone and the games that they lost this year you know, they were kind of, almost all of them were kind of fluky. I mean, they lost in overtime to the Colts. They lost to the Steelers in a game where their receivers dropped. I think it was like eight passes. And, you (laughs) know, they definitively should have won that game by about 20 points. So like they've, every game that has kind of mattered towards the end of this, they've really gone out and taken it to quite a few teams. And you're not really seeing that from a lot of teams as much this season outside of like the 49ers doing it to the Cowboys. But you're not really seeing a lot of teams really go out and beat handily a lot of winning teams with winning records.
1: Yeah, I would say other than the Ravens, maybe this is why they're the clear cream of the crop to me. Other than the Ravens, every other playoff team or contender has had a really rough stretch of football this year. Yeah. Um, 49ers lost three in a row earlier in the year. They did not look good against the Ravens. The Eagles are in the middle of their, I would say, their bad stretch, or so they're looking to get right. Um, the Lions, I mean, shoot, that there's games where that defense makes me want to throw myself off a bridge. Um, <laughs> the, I mean, the Cowboys have at times looked super fraudulent all year long, and when they don't get in a positive game script, they're really easy to beat, it seems like. Yeah. Um, I mean, we can go down the line. The Chiefs obviously have their issues. Like, every one of these teams, though, has had really, really weird stretches of football, where it's just yeah, like, yeah. oh,
0: ugh. Yeah, it's usually there's like two or three teams that have kind of had Ravens type seasons where, yeah, they've got a loss here and there, but you never, there's never a stretch where you're like, man, I don't, I don't know what to believe anymore. This year, yeah. there's everyone besides them has had those stretches. It's weird because it's been so strange that each fan
1: base of these teams feel like that stretch of games was disqualifying. I shouldn't say in aggregate, like I think a lot of 49ers fans still think they're the best team, but. There's a lot of 49ers fans who are really nervous because mm-hmm. this team can get run on because when you have offensive tackles that can pass protect, you can throw on them as well. And, you know, I, the, I've seen a lot of Eagles fans that are really concerned about the Eagles. Obviously, they've been, they're they in the middle of their rough stretch right now. Lions fans, there's Steve, there's what, like 80 percent of Lions fans still think they stink? Like, <laughs> I mean, they're really happy about the results, but they're like, you listen to, to local radio. Oh, it's I mean- like, oh, my God, they, they they think this team is terrible. Oh,
2: there's still a faction of people that want to go after Aaron Glenn. Like, that's you know, I think if you asked probably 50 Lions fans, 20, at least half of them would say that Aaron Glenn needs to be fired and we need to bring in a new defensive coordinator. They need to bring in a new defensive coordinator and have, you know, someone else take over because, you know, the defense has looked so bad at times i mean there's no other way to put it they've just looked bad at times and they can get thrown on they can not so much run on but it doesn't matter because teams can throw on them so they don't even have to get into run game to worry to you know move the ball against the lions it's just each team each contender is like deeply flawed in their own special way and that's what that's what i think that's what made this season so interesting is that you never know when that flaw is going to rear its ugly head in a game. Like this That's week true. was probably a, it was probably a 49ers fans worst nightmare. Like this is the culmination of everything that you were, that you would like had the fears of for this team, Brock pretty turnover, aggressing, pass rush, not getting home. The fact that they do have primarily pass rushers on that defensive line. And it, you know, if the, if a team can get into a script where they can run the ball on them, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. They don't have to even really drop back because Hargrave's not good in the middle against the run, and Chase Young's not the best run defender. Nick Bosa's a probably a plus run defender, but that's about it. You just run away from Bosa. And you know, you can you can get yourself in a good game script where you're kind of taking control, of getting into second and five, third and one situations.
1: Right on. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So I want to get into one more game really quick, and then I have two other teams I want to break down and get your feedback on. Um, some surprising teams but first I wanted to do Detroit Minnesota really quick this was a uh, a game kind of like an emotional ending for me because of the Detroit ties obviously they had not won a um, a division championship since I was four years old which is kind of crazy to think about Um, (laughs) it's actually really or five sorry I was five years old that's really crazy to think about Um, but this game was for the division Detroit wins this offense, like everyone was really nervous about how this offense would respond to Brian Flores' defense, and this offense responded beautifully. Um, they were super methodical the entire day. They only had, what, one explosive pass play in this game, and they still just moved the ball at will against the, against the Vikings. It was impressive. And on the flip side, guys, I really felt like their defense, even though they gave up 411 passing cards, their defense was actually really good in this game um minus a couple just circus catches from justin jefferson they gave up 17 yards rushing which is (laughs) 1.5 yards a carry i mean that's actually crazy right um i i really i came away from this game feeling better about the lions i think than most people what did you guys think
0: i mean i'm i still think the defense is a major issue um like i i i've already have told you guys a million times that i would move on from aaron glenn if i know they're not going to do that because they're winning but the best thing that could happen to the lions this offseason is him getting a head coaching job somewhere <laughs> um
1: gain effect although maybe yeah. maybe that wasn't such a good idea for you guys
0: well yeah because because the cardinals are awesome um <laughs> <laughs> um You're but sharing. yeah the the, they definitely can stop the run, not denying that at all. And I know Justin Jefferson does make circus catches. But even if you take some of those out, giving up, let's take take 100 yards off the board. Nick Mullins still threw for 300 yards. And the Vikings' run game has been absolutely terrible all season. So not shocking that the Lions held them to that. that the offense is not a problem at all. I mean, yeah, the Lions' offense, I think... The, the biggest thing is as a Eagles fan, the biggest thing I'm afraid of is going to Detroit in the playoffs more than going to San Francisco, more than going to Dallas. Any of those things would be better than going to Detroit right now, I think in my eyes, but the, if there's one, yeah, if there's something that I would still be terrified of, it's that Lions defense just getting torn up by some passing
2: game. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I
2: it's, I mean, yeah, the pass, The passing game is on defense is a definitive issue. I think that the surge of Iffy Malafonwu is big for this defense. Having a guy that I think that they can trust in the middle of the field and as a safety I think has kind of changed the defense a little bit. You're seeing them utilize him in, in the box, a lot of blitzes. Um, Aaron Glenn has really kind of switched up how he's getting pressure with that defense the last few weeks, you can see that he's really making an effort to go away from the straight up four man rush. And he's sending a lot of, you know, dog blitzes, a lot of like uh, overloading one side and having a defender, a defensive end drop into coverage and sending, you know, two blitzers from that side and overloading it. So he's getting a little bit more methodical and um, unique with the way he's trying to get pressure. And I think that's helping, but the, the defense really is uh predicated on creating turnovers like the games where that team creates turnovers. And I I know it's that way for most teams, but it seems like it's a very boomer bust for the lions defense where if they can't create turnovers, that's where they, you know, teams move the ball on them. They, they take advantage and try to jump on, you know, being able to get a turnover, get their offense, the ball back and let them go. When they can't create turnovers, when they aren't getting pressure, that's where teams are able to really drop back and pick apart that defense. Because you're seeing that the talent deficit on defense is still there a little bit for the Lions, and I, and I think that that got glossed over at times in the off season, just mm-hmm. because the you know the ascension of uh, Aiden Hutchinson and the development of Ali McNeil. You were hoping to see the you know them bringing in Cam Sutton and things like that. We kind of we as a as a football community, I think, kind of overlooked that they still didn't have that many dudes on defense. And that right. that shows itself semi-frequently with that defense.
1: Yeah, they've invested way more into the offensive side of the ball since Brad Holmes has been here. It's actually, I yeah. mean, and you see the results of that, right? Great offense, very, very suspect defense. So I guess the big question is, is, are, are, is this Lions team, are they able to compete in an NFC where none of the other contenders can stop the run. San Francisco struggles, Dallas struggles, Philly, what, for whatever reason, has struggled lately stopping the run early in the year. That wasn't a thing, but now they're, they're giving up a lot. Um, can this, can this Lions offense compete against those guys?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yes. They can. Yeah. There, there's not a team that should feel like the Lions are uh, an easy W if they see them in the playoffs for sure.
2: Yeah.
1: It, back to the EPA discussion too guys I mean and this is a little tongue-in-cheek here but if you really want an EPA bro MVP it's Frank Ragnow look at the splits with Ragnow on the field and when he's off the field yeah. it's actually insane EPA per play yards per play effic- any efficiency metric you can possibly think of the Lions jump to number one in the NFL when he's on the field in every single category
2: so they dropped to like 30th without him
1: in certain, yeah, in certain metrics,
0: yep, it's pretty nuts. It's pretty nuts. So the, the trenches matter <clears throat> a ton, and yeah. the Lions are a team that, at least on the offensive side of the ball, that's the thing. Their their defensive line is just not. Other than Aiden Hutchinson, and he even he can be a little uh, highly variant. You know, some games he's getting yeah, pressure right. all the time, and other games it's a little quieter. There's
1: teams literally committing three bodies to blocking him now because they right. know, they have nobody right. else.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So so that uh, yeah, if there's something that <laughs> You win the trenches, you are going to be a competitive team all the way up to the Super Bowl at the very least. And the Lions certainly can do that on the offensive side of the ball.
1: Um, All right. What does this mean for Minnesota? You guys think they got a shot to make the playoffs still? They're currently sitting at the eighth spot. They play the Packers this week, which could help their chances if they win.
0: I mean, I guess, but (laughs) what does it matter? You know,
1: (laughs) I think they are just fodder for for whoever – they play in the first round if they make it
0: yeah yeah i mean they were last year and they were a better team they, they weren't Shoot. that good last year um
1: they got the, beat by the giants
0: i would you know they're so who are the summit the seahawks are a better team the packers rams rams are certainly a better team the packers are probably in that same tier but i'd probably still be more afraid of the packers than the vikings yeah um is anyone out, Any other NFC team? I guess the Falcons are still in. The Bucks are going to win the division. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Falcons, the the Falcons are technically. Are still in it. Yeah, technically still in it. And yeah, yeah. I guess I'm more afraid of the Vikings than those those teams. But so so they're you know yeah they're going to be. So they'll probably be the seven seed at best, right? Because the Rams will be ahead of them then. Um, yes,
1: Seahawks have a tough game this week. Uh, well, tough ish against Pittsburgh. I mean it's not that tough, but they could definitely lose because it's the Seahawks. Um so if they lose and the Vikings win, I'm pretty sure they leapfrog, right? Yeah, they do.
0: Yeah. So that's what who they're they're fighting with the yeah, the Seahawks pretty much. I guess the Rams could lose the Rams play the Giants, they should win that, but they could easily lose to the Niners in week eighteen. Yeah. Um and then I don't know how all the tiebreakers work, but that's that's the path. <laughs> that <laughs> there's there's too many
2: um yeah yeah they're yeah, not the a super
0: are, threatening team
2: yeah the Rams are staring down a situation now where the 49ers actually have to play for something week 18 and so it's it's going to be a competitive game if they had beat if they had beat the Ravens they were potentially staring down you know the 49ers potentially resting starters not you know who knows what but now that that game actually matters for the Niners
1: no the game well yeah it does
2: yeah, depends it 100% what, it, does.
1: Yeah. It depends what happens this week, but yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that's assuming that every like Lions the and Eagles,
0: Eagles and Lions would have to win or
2: Yeah. Actually, they both
0: have to lose
2: for it not to matter.
0: Eagles Lions would both have to lose, yep, which yeah.
1: definitely possible the Lions lose, probably not possible the Eagles lose, but um All do right. You know just, the,
0: what... One thing about the Lions, do you know what the their Super Bowl odds are right now? No. And do you know what teams are I guess you know they are only one percent ahead of the Cleveland Browns. Okay. According to the New York Times model, right now behind the Chiefs, Bills, Eagles, Cowboys, Dolphins, Ravens, Niners. I think that's. I think that's. Ap-
1: yeah, it's a little much.
0: And the and how are the? All right, I'm going on a little rant. How are the Cowboys <laughs> still at, at ahead of every team but the Dolphins, Ravens, and Niners? What like what are we doing here? We. We we uh, know we have now met, like give me one career defining win Dak Prescott has in his career, and there there isn't one. There is never a time where you're like man. My
1: archive hold on. <laughs> Can't think of one.
0: Yeah, there's there's no time where you're like wow Dak like he pulled off that big win against that tough opponent and and pulled it out in the end. He just doesn't do it. They're they're completely different teams on the road and at home, and they're going to have to go on the road. Most likely three times in a row, in to, to just get to the Super Bowl.
1: And as good as their defense can be, they literally cannot stop the run. And newsflash: the 49ers, the Eagles, the Lions, the Rams—they all run the football. <laughs> so I don't. I don't know who. I don't even know who Dallas is beating in the playoffs in, in round. Well,
0: five. so they'll get the NFC South winner, which will most likely would be the Bucks. I think they can definitely well, beat. As the it Bucks. stands
1: right now, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, they're not going to fall from the five seed. Well. Yeah, I guess I shouldn't I say, say that because they could, they could lose out, <laughs> and the Rams could win out, and I don't know what the tiebreaker would be, but that's that's the only, yeah. only way. Um, that is interesting. They Who do they play, in, do they play in week eighteen? I don't know. They play the Commanders. All right, they're not losing out, so they're going to be the five seed. <laughs> Um, so they're going to get the Bucks most likely in round one, and. They could definitely beat the Bucs. The
1: Bucks—that's yeah, a good matchup for them too. Unfortunately.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, but then they will go if they win. They will go to either the most likely the Niners, unless another wild card team wins. And if that happens, then they would go to the Eagles or Lions. And then if they win that one, then they'd go to whichever one they didn't go to 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 right. in the in the championship game. Yep. Their their easiest matchup won't come outside of the NFC South winner until the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, and that potentially is a bloodbath for them, too. So Yeah. Um, all right. Lions still have an outside shot to get the one seed, actually. This is probably worth discussing. They kind of control their own destiny here. If they beat Dallas and then beat the Vikings again, they're right in the mix. Um, 49ers would have to lose to the Rams in that Week 18 game. But it's an it, there's a non-zero chance the Lions wind up the one seed. And there's a decent chance they wind up the two seed. Chris, how does that make you feel as an Eagles fan? Like you would have to play through Detroit to get to the NFC championship game.
0: Well, it's not ideal. Obviously I, uh, I'm going to be actually, I guess, rooting for the Cowboys this week that the lions actually <laughs> lose, which doesn't feel good. But I think that, it, I mean, yeah. Cause the Eagles would have to lose to the giants in week 18 for them to not get the division at this point. So I guess I'm a Cowboys fan this week yeah that doesn't sound fun but i i'd already told you i don't want to have to go to detroit i don't think any team should want to have to go to detroit um and but yeah it's great i mean i feel like we were talking a few weeks ago and the lions were like oh yeah they'll be they'll be the three seed like that was pretty much like yeah. locked in and nobody considered yeah. anything else and now now i'm like shoot i need
2: them to lose
1: yeah it's kind of weird how fast that changed <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's a, yeah. Well, I mean, for both the Lions and the Cowboys, it's a pretty poignant game for both teams this week. I think that for the Lions, people are looking for them to can they beat you know a, leg- a legitimate contender. You know, they obviously beat the Chiefs early the in the season. And yeah, on the road, it's indoors, so that's good for Jared Goff and that offense. But you know, can their defense stop the Cowboys' passing game? That's I mean, a huge matchup in that game, and then can the Cowboys even sniff out the run game a little bit for the Lions? Because this is a game where you could see Montgomery and Gibbs going over a hundred yards, and Jared Goff have twenty-five passing attempts at most, <laughs> and them just trying to control the game on the ground and re- and force Dak to to have every drive really mean something, and ha- him have to really go out of his way to make plays. Because I think there the Cowboys run game has been that has had moments of being non-existent at times this year. And I think that that's going to probably happen against the lions they yeah, They're not very good they're against not the run. The so it's just, it's, you know, it, it's a big matchup for both teams as a measuring stick of what, what we think of them going into the playoffs. Cause I think if the lions, yeah. win, you come away from it saying, okay, this is like, they're legitimately in the cards for getting to the super bowl. If the lions get beat up, I think then it's like, okay, they're a fun team that can gives teams trouble, but when it comes down to it, a good team is going to beat them.
1: Yep. All right, let's move on. Before we we sign off for the day here, I want to talk about two teams, two underdogs right now that I think can make some serious noise. I want your guys' take. They are both currently quarterbacked by the last two remaining gunslingers, the old-school QB. We're talking – the Los Angeles Rams, Matthew Stafford led offense and the Joe Flacco, Cleveland Browns. Let's freaking go. Two gunslingers. This type of quarterback no longer exists in the NFL, guys. They're they're the last two remaining. But both these teams are scary with Stafford playing the way he is, and with Flacco, apparently, apparently the the issue in New York the last year is what just the offensive line was that bad. He couldn't I mean Cleveland O line's giving him time and he is just dicing up teams. Like what is going on here? Give me your thoughts on both of these teams. Start with you, Steve.
2: The Rams, I think, are legitimately scary. I think that off the offense is humming. I think Stafford looks the best he's looked since their Super Bowl season, and he legit. And it's all it's a product of him having a productive run game. I think that that's a huge benefit to that offense, and I think that it's one of those things where we're. We as football fans were so deprived of ever seeing Stafford with a run game that now you're seeing it, and how efficiently an offense with him dropping back to pass while also having a semi potent run game is legitimately scary. I think they they can put up points on anybody. They just put it. I mean, they just hung 31 on the Ravens, and I think that that's probably the most points the Ravens have given up all year. And so it it they're legitimately scary. The Browns. Joe, I mean, Joe Flackers a revelation. He had, he had an 11 and a half a dot on Sunday. <laughs> and I mean, granted he had two picks and I think he's had picks in almost every game he's played this year, but he's not afraid to push the ball down the field. And Amari Cooper is legit is legit. Like him going for over two fifty. And I think I saw a stat today where 211, 211 of those yards came through the air, which was the, I think the most ever recorded. Really? And it, Yeah. For, for a receiver, like, you know, obviously getting that many yards, but like none of it came through screens or anything, which is crazy. It's, it was all middle of the field, deep down the field. And Joe Flacco clearly trusts Amari Cooper and he's not afraid to get it to him. Both of these teams, I think can give any team a run for their money. The Browns specifically because their defense can really turn it on when they want to, and they can shut down any offense. They've had games where, they get behind and teams are able to move the ball on them, but that's not that frequent. Their defense is legitimately scary. I think both of these teams are legitimate upset contenders and could go on a, a run, you know, akin to like the, you know this when the Steelers won the Super Bowl uh, as a wild card t- as like the seven seed. Like that's a, I think it's a legitimate scenario that you can see because just because of the Browns' defense can shut down anyone and the Rams offense can keep up with anyone.
0: Yeah. The uh, on the Browns, I do think um, we are seeing a little bit of like the Josh Dobbs effects with Flacco. Like it does. He, he is throwing picks. I think every game so far that he's played in with them. I do think it's probably going to last two games. Yeah. I think it's probably going to fall off the rails a little bit at some point. And that's probably going to be their ultimate downfall in the end which I don't think should surprise anyone. I mean, Joe Flacco was not on an NFL team for a reason. Um, but he, by far, is the best QB they've had all season. Uh, he's, he's playing better than Deshaun Watson was, for sure. Yeah, And Amari Cooper still has games where he can go off. Elijah Moore is still a solid role player. Ninjoku is flashed at time. Like, they've got enough weapons where... If Flacco is having a good game, that the offense can put up points. And I think Stefanski has proven that he can put a good offense, offensive scheme out there, no matter who's at QB, really. Um, I do the Browns' defense is definitely good, but I don't think it is to the level of this defense can win you a championship team. I mean they've fallen off. Yeah, the the so the Ravens put up over 30 points on them, the Seahawks put 24. The Rams put 36. The Broncos put 29. The Jags put 27. Houston just put up 22 with um, Case Keenum at QB. The Colts put 30 up at eight up on them earlier in the season. I don't. I don't think this is a type of defense that will be able to sustain. We're going to hold you to 17 points, and Joe Flacco is going to help us put up 24 multiple times throughout the playoffs. Um, they definitely could give teams trouble. They'll be what the. This five or six seed, I guess we don't know yet. So they're going to get a matchup with the Chiefs or uh, the dot. No, not the Do- Yeah, the, the Dolphins or the the winner of the AFC South. I guess we don't know yet. Um, any of those teams could have bad games. The Dolphins would probably be the one that I think they would be most afraid of. I don't know if they could stop that offense. And I think the Dolphins' defense could eat Joe Flacco alive if they want if they're having a good game. So, Browns not so yeah, definitely threatening for a single game, but I don't think they're championship material. The Rams, Brett, do you remember what your grade on Kyron Williams was coming out of the draft? Because I don't think it's that they have a good run game. I think Kyron Day Williams three. is just the skeleton key for I, whatever reason.
1: Day three this was my grade on him. So very very similar view as uh, Devin Singletary. Thought he had some make you miss potential, but really uninspiring athlete, like all, all the way around. Like one of the worst athletes to ever come out of the running back position. He's small, small, yeah. bad athlete. Had no I mean, he idea. He doesn't
0: look at running the ball. Like he doesn't no, look like no. a good athlete. He looks
1: ball. bursty, but that's it. Like, yeah. Um, he just great vision, great instincts, good in the pass game, um, uncanny make you miss potential for a guy of his size and his athleticism. It's really weird. So, yeah. Um,
0: besides, besides Todd Gurley and maybe a little bit of Cam Akers, like the, this offense has looked by far the best when he's been available to them. Yes. When he's not, the offense just—it's crazy. I don't—I don't think I've ever seen a running back, and not and one that isn't like a Christian McCaffrey, especially that totally derails an offense if he's not available.
1: Yeah, it is kind of wild. Um, as far as the Browns go, how much do you think Amari Cooper likes Joe Flacco? <laughs> he's had 37 <laughs> targets the last three games since Flacco took over as a starter. His his stat lines before that game were 34 yards, 16 yards, 34 yards, and then now he's he's been averaging like 145 yards a game since Flacco took over. So it's uh, crazy
0: when we see this like the backup QB, younger old, comes in and just throws to best player and you see <laughs> success and then. It's-
1: it Let's happened with uh, with Jefferson and Mullins in the the Vikings yeah, game. Like yeah. they were yeah. getting their teeth kicked in the first half, and then they came out second half. They're like, maybe we should throw it to Justin Jefferson. This is a good idea. And Mullins just started chucking Yola balls, and ultimately it cost him, right? Because right? he ended up throwing a, a yeah. bunch of picks in the fourth quarter. But um, I mean, they got back into a- the game by throwing the ball mm-hmm. to Justin Jefferson. <laughs>
0: It's a high variant way to win a game, but it, it is when you have a much lesser QB, it's probably your best shot to win a game. Just a just really throw good. the ball up to your best player and hope that the the ball lands in his hands and not the defenders.
1: Yep, and Cooper's having a career year by far. By the way, he's already surpassed his yardage total. His yards per catch is two point or two and a half yards higher than he's ever put up before. <laughs> his age 30 season or whatever age 29 season that's kind of crazy to think about um he's he's wrecking stuff this year so
0: and he did it on
2: the road with the browns every game they've lost except for the rams game their quarterback didn't throw for 200 yards every single game they lost so i feel better about the defense solely because they're not on the field as much when Joe Flacco's at quarterback. Yeah. They've still, you know, they still Kelsey did too. give up. To, they still get did give up twenty seven to the Jaguars. They still gave up thirty six to the Rams when Joe Flacco was in. But you can see that they're another defense that is just kind of. I mean, it's a Jim Schwartz stable of like just create chaos and turnovers will come from yeah. that, and you know, eventually it will wear a team down. And that defensive strategy can give up a lot of points, but it gives up a lot of points when your offense is going three and out all the time. And that part has changed with Joe Flacco. The offense can actually maintain drives and stay on the field. And the defense is actually gets a chance to rest a little bit. I mean, in, those, in a lot of the games that they lost earlier in the year, it felt like the defense was, A, putting up the points for the team, and B, they were on the field constantly. So with Joe, with Joe Flacco at quarterback, they at least have a chance where it's not solely reliant on the defense to make every single play. They can actually rely on the offense to go and put up points, and the defense can be a little bit more risky and try and go for turnovers and really get after the passer and things like that. And so I think that that Joe Flacco being a quarterback changes the dynamic of that team quite a bit.
1: yeah, that's fair. Um, also, Miles Garrett had like a four or five week stretch where he was pretty, pretty severely hurt, and he's playing through it. I think he may have missed an a game, but uh, he's back fully healthy and he looks really good. Like he completely dominated against Jacksonville, completely dominated against Chicago. Didn't have a sack this week, but he had multiple tackles for a loss. Like he was a problem the whole game. So I think if he's healthy, that defense does kind of trend back in the right direction. Uh, Denzel Ward also back this week, I think. So uh, yeah. that's, that's good for them. Um, as far as the Rams go, guys, I, my last point on the Rams is I think a lot of people are judging them based on their 8 and 7 record and forget the fact yes. that Matt yeah. Stafford missed two games um they uh he was he was injured beyond those two games right remember he had the um the bad back which you know flared up on him and we know Stafford does not play well when he's hurt um i'm just saying all saying all that to say like it's possible this team is better than the record um if they get I've, both those games they didn't have Stafford they lost to, to Pittsburgh and Dallas right no he he played in those games sorry what games did he miss i forget Anyways, not important. I believe they lost both the games he missed. So, um, you know, right there. If you, if you flip those games, that's they're a ten and five team. So, I think they're probably better than their eight and seven record. So, they're definitely scary to me. And I think they have a, a good shot as any as a wild card to to make some noise. Um,
2: yeah, they're five and one, and they they're five and one in their last six, with their only loss being an over an overtime loss to the Ravens. There you go. And so, that's a team I think you that-
1: don't mind losing to probably. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think so much of it is that like we still kind of judge the Rams a little bit based off of last year too. And I think it's forgotten how injured they were last year, how injured they were to start the season, how bad the offensive line had injuries up and down. And now that there's stability on the offensive line, it allows McVay to really dig into their run game, which I think is so much of what McVay's offense is about. I think that if you, you know, you look back to the years when they had early and um, when they were, you know, Super Bowl contenders, so much of their offense was built off of establishing the run and letting Jared Goff play off of that. He's now, McVay's able to get back to that now that they have a solid mm-hmm. offensive line, now that they're able to run the ball. And you're seeing that that's really who McVay is. And you know, I think a lot of people forgot that that was what McVeigh was all about. Just because they did have such a deficit at run in the run game when they had Cam Akers there, and it was so unproductive, and they had to rely so much on the pass, you're finally seeing him get back to really ground and pound, and then let Stafford air the ball out, out off of play action off of that.
1: Yeah, you know what's really helped them too, guys? Offensive line stability. Their offensive yeah. line was horrible last year. I know uh, Andrew Whitworth had retired. They didn't have a good solution at left tackle. Now you've got Kevin Dotson and Rob Havenstein are both playing really, really good football. Brian Allen's now been the starter at center for a couple of years. years. Uh, Alaric Jackson, one of their middle round draft picks has panned out as a solid offensive tackle. I think that's really helped too, because um, just yeah. similar to Jared Goff, when, when Matthew Stafford doesn't have great offensive line play, he's just erratic. You just – He'll yeah. have a, a, a ton of good games, but a ton of bad games. So um, I think the uh, the offensive line – oh, Steve Avila, uh, what a second or third-round pick this year has played yep. reasonably well for them for a rookie especially. So I think that's yep. – like, the offensive line has really helped them out. So anyways, um, we got to cut it there. Steve, five stats this week, yes or no? Or I mean Chris, sorry. Why did I say Steve? <laughs> Chris, did like, you cut
0: uh, – No, stats? not this week. Not, not this week.
1: week. Okay. Um, well, that's a bummer for for our, our subscribers because that's a great article. That one's free anyways, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Anyways, one of my favorite articles we do every week because it's short and sweet and to the point and it gives you five bangers that I usually use in every media content I do for the week. So anyways, um, just trying to make Chris feel bad for not putting it out. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, head over to fantasypoints.com to find all of our cool stuff this week. A lot of great pieces of content coming out. I know Dolan's going to release Matchup Points, which is one of my favorite articles as well. Um, data.fantasypoints.com. You can still get in there. The early bird is going on right now for the all inclusive package, and I think you're getting a slight discount on data. Um, don't wait too long though, because data is going back to full price pretty soon here, guys. So, like maybe a week or two actually. Um, and and that's going to cost you a lot more money. So, if you go and get it now, you're going to save yourself some money and you're going to really enjoy the product. You can use it for the last couple weeks of the season do your deep dives in the offseason, then you'd be ready to go for next year so anyways that's going to do it for us i'm brett whitefield this is Stephen o'rourke and christopher wecht and we are out
0: thanks for tuning in to this edition of the fantasy points podcast remember to subscribe rate and review on your favorite platform and come join the roster at fantasypoints.com